If you did not get, there should be, I believe, four sheets. If you did not get four sheets, they will make your way. Raise your hands if you did not. I see a few people not have, that don't have all of them. And please trust me, it's okay that we're taking this much time because I'm not long-winded. Um, I could talk to, to you all day long aside from being up here, but I, when I'm up here, I get a little bit nervous. For those of you who do not know me, I sat here and thought, man, I kind of wish they would have known me a few years ago before I was 53, forgetful. I'm up here. I'm like, I forgot my blood pressure medicine today. I forgot my Claritin today. So that's who I am. <laughs> I got my oldest daughter over here home from college, so she's cheering me on. I see her. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and start. This is First Church. We are an apostolic church. We are Pentecostal by experience, and there's this, we're going to start from the beginning, what our mission is, and this was on your first page. We exist to, we exist to reach for everyone within our grasp with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have a pencil or a pen, I want to make sure that is the right page. Is that number one? Okay. Reach for everyone within our grasp with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have a burning passion to reach as many souls as possible. We have something, and if you're new here and you do not have it, we'll talk about this in just a little bit. But we have what the world is looking for. We are blessed beyond measure to know who Jesus Christ is and the plan of salvation. But we should be doing our part, and that's what First Church is about. We want to reach lost souls and those who are hurting. And we want to, number two, teach everyone we influence to observe all things that Jesus commanded. If you do not have four pieces of paper, please raise your hand. We have several that did not get, get all of them. Does everyone have page one? It's got the fancy dancy welcome to first church on it. If you do not have page one, who had page one passing it out? Raise your hand if you do not have page one. I see some hands, uh, lots of hands. <laughs> this is old time school. We're, we, we're just passing out papers. Oh, Sister Amber, I want her. <laughs> She's so sweet. All right, does everyone have page one? Is that the last one you have, Brother Casey? Okay. Because I know I had plenty of copies. I counted. Next time, I will be... Sister Amber prepared and have them all nicely stapled together in one nice little handy pack. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He said, don't overcommit. I shouldn't have said that. We're just on page one. That's one I want to make sure everybody has. We have one through four. <laughs> I know the shirts do not have it. Does everyone have two, three, and four? You don't have two? You have two? Yeah. 
It makes him nervous because I'm not him. If you're new here to First Church, in the last five minutes, you're seeing who I am and you're seeing who Pastor is. <laughs> Brother Jerry, why are you? What are you needing? Brother Jerry needs four. Who all needs four? Do you have one through four, Pastor? <laughs> you know, I thought about doing where we lined them up on the altar and everybody come and grab one of each as they go. And that might have been even better today. All right, we're going to continue on. Number one, we reach for everyone within our grasp with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, we teach everyone we influence to observe all things that Jesus has commanded. And number three, we're here. Our mission is to build community that is truly apostolic in identity and practice. What we are not, for people who may have heard different things about Pentecostals or the apostolic church, specifically here in Kennett, Number one, we are not a perfect church. And maybe you have heard that we are. Um, I highly doubt it. Tess Lachey, I need a bottle of water, please. (coughs) Wait, my husband has one. Thank you for being so helpful, Pastor. Okay, thank you so much. We are not a perfect church. We are a group of imperfect people in love with a perfect God. If you're looking for perfection, you definitely won't find it here as you've witnessed the last five minutes. However, we refuse to allow our imperfection to become an excuse to give God less than our best. We are not interested in the easy answer, but we are passionate about finding the best answer as we continually strive to practically apply scriptural principles and press towards Christ's example of righteous perfection. We want to be conformed to his image. We know that this is a continual process and can only be achieved as we study God's word and yield to the power of the Holy Ghost. We are not perfect, but we are constantly perfecting, and one day we shall be like him. Can someone say amen? I tell people all the time, and I believe this is on our web page, um, because people have a misconception of what you have to be to live for Jesus or to even come to church. A lot of people have in their minds that they have to get good to get God. And there is no way that that's possible. But I tell people, we got to get God to get good. We can't be good without him. We are not dedicated to pleasing people. And trust me, you are looking at a people pleaser. And my family could probably say amen loud and clear. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are not dedicated to pleasing people. It might sound rude to say that, but it is not our desire to offend anyone. 
But what we are trying to say is our main priority is pleasing God, and everything we do is centered on that single goal. Now, there's a there's been a brand new, well, it's been out for a couple of years now, and I remember the first time that I read this, it was probably on Facebook, and I remember something going through me. It, it just didn't settle well with me, and I just was talking to somebody else about this. It still seems to become more and more the world's motto, and unfortunately, I've seen a lot of church people and even books written, but the motto that do what makes you happy is definitely not a motto you should live by, ever. First and foremost, we need to strive to do what makes him happy. Now, I'm not talking about not taking care of yourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. That's a lesson I'm learning Sometimes the hard way. You have to take care of yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. But there has been a spirit that has crept into our world and into the church. Do what makes you feel happy and what makes you feel good. That is against God's principles. I can tell you that much. When I was little, my pastor used to say, if you want joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And I, I love that motto. That sometimes can be taken to the extreme and you're hurting yourself the temple of God, if you take that to extreme, there's definitely a balance. But don't have the motto every day, I'm going to do what makes me happy today. Now, most of us, a lot of us sitting here, we're married. Um, If you woke up with that motto, if I woke up today and didn't consider him and thought, I'm going to do what makes me happy today, I don't really care about anything else, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to tell you right now, that would not have, we would not be here 26 years later. In the same way with any relationship, anything that you do, you cannot have that model. I'm just going to do what feels good for me. So I just had to put that little bit. That wasn't even in my notes. That's such a preacher thing to say. That one was free. (laughs) Okay, Shay, don't get sidetracked here. It doesn't mean that you won't ever find worship enjoyable. It just means that our services aren't designed to accommodate your preferences. They are planned to please the Lord. And that principle bleeds over into the way we live our lives. All of life is worship. And we were created to bring God glory. It's not about us. It's all about him. It's not our will, but his will be done. I thought about our name, First Church. We've been First UPC for years, and now we've First Church. But one word, First. The scripture that comes to my mind, to me, that could be a base of everything is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First Him. Above anything else, first. And then everything else will fall into place. Jesus never compromised truth in order to attract or accommodate a crowd. His message was straightforward. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must be willing to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. We are committed to Christ, not the crowd, and we are dedicated to worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. Truth isn't always comfortable, but it makes us free. Truth doesn't accommodate personal preference. It demands we adjust our life to its commands. Excuse me. Number three, we are not a politically correct church. And trust me, in the last several years, this is getting harder and harder because everything's about political correctness. We refuse 
to conform to the pressures of our present culture of the politically correct, if that puts us at odds with Scripture. Our desire is to be biblically correct, and we will remain loyal to truth regardless of the pressure to abandon it. Once again, it is not our intention to ever be offensive, but we make no apologies for truth. We will speak the truth in love and love you enough to speak the truth. Our preaching is not a message of heartless tolerance that teaches people they just have to accept who they are, but it is the power of God unto salvation, and we refuse to take hope without the gospel. The cross is not a symbol of tolerance. It's an invitation to receive mercy. Tolerance and mercy are not the same. Tolerance will accept you the way you are, but leave you laying in the ditch it found you. But mercy not only accepts you just the way you are, but it loves you too much to leave you there. The cross we preach will always separate the carnal from the commit, carnal from the committed and be an offense to those who refuse to allow God to change them. And there will always be those who will seek to silence the truth through the pressure of political correctness. But we strive to continue to buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. So what should you expect here when you walk in our doors? And it's your first time, and hopefully continually after that. Number one, a family atmosphere. That's the goal we are always striving to reach. We want everyone who worships here to become the members of our extended family, and we are working hard to make that a reality. We have been trying really, really hard. For those of you who have been here for a while, I think you can sense that we are trying we're doing new things because we want to reach people here. We want people to come here and become our family. We want to create an atmosphere where authentic relationships are built and people don't just do church together, but they do life together. We want to ensure that everyone is being encouraged, prayed for, challenged, lifted up, and loved. Sister Wanda, I look at you and I think, wow, look what a year's done. You got to go to ladies' conference with us. You've seen us all in that crazy, like, one-on-one -on -one thing. I love that. I love when people come in and, all, and they feel such a love here. They wanna, they're drawn to people here. I, I love after church when you don't see people just split out the door, but people are congregating and, and talking to one another and, and building relationships. Back in the day, we had something every day of the week. And sometimes I think maybe we should have never gotten away from that because that, to me, connected me so much to the church and to the people. It's not just coming here on Sunday and Wednesdays and saying, see ya. I hope not. I pray if you don't have some people that you're close to that God opens those doors because he wants you to build relationships inside the church. They're here. We have, number two, ministry to all ages. I'm so thankful for that. We have a children's ministry. We have uh, young people, young, and we have, and look around. There's youth, there's young marrieds, there's elderly people here, but we try to minister to all ages. We also focus on many subgroups. We're starting things, like we're starting, we have Couples Connect. We're wanting men's ministry. We have a ladies' ministry. There truly is going to be something for everyone that walks through these doors. We're building, we're working on it, and trying to get better at doing things that will reach to individual people to put them into groups. You'll find, number three, heartfelt biblical worship. Now, this one is, 
It's so funny. If you were here Wednesday night for the youth service, Sister Sheila talked on it the first time she came into this church. She thought we were all crazy. But I'm going to explain a little bit about our worship. We pray together out loud. Acts 4.24. And we're going to take a little bit of time. Rebecca, will you get Acts 4.24 and read that out? Um, I'm going to go ahead and give Psalm 134.2. Brother Jason, would you get that, please? Psalm 98.4 when it's time. Brother Kaiser, would you read that out? Psalm 98.4. Okay, number one, we pray together aloud. Acts 4.24, Becca. That's all right. So, it says right here. And when they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, they were together. They praised out loud. Thank you, Sister Star, for putting that up there. Okay, Psalm 134.2, Brother Jason, would you read that out loud? So we lift our hands in praise. If you walk in and you've never seen that before, we raise our hands in worship to God. It's biblical. Psalm 98.4, Brother Kaiser. We sing with all of our hearts. People can make jokes about it. Boy, they sure make a joyful noise, you know, if they don't feel like they can sing very good. But it's biblical, and it doesn't just say on there if you have a great voice to sing. We all sing together. And I do want to admonish you all. I want to encourage you. When the praise team's up here singing and worshiping, and even if it's a new song, we try to have the words up there, start singing with us. It's kind of... It's sometimes easy to kind of sit back and just kind of feel good when other people are worshiping. But we want you to worship with us. We want you to sing with us. When you find yourself doing that, you you will not believe how God will just start moving on you. When you worship and sing out loud, raise your hands. It's biblical. Uh, We play musical instruments. Um, The whole chapter of Psalm 50 talks about all the instruments that we can play. Um, Sister Star, would you get up Psalm 47.1? Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We clap and shout unto God. And we are not ashamed to do it. We clap for many things in the world. When we get excited, we clap. We give applause. And that's all right. I can think of no one more worthy to be clapped for than Jesus Christ himself. And we shout out loud unto God. Psalm 150, verse 4. This is probably where a lot of people are like, oh, my word. Psalm 154. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. The dance. We dance before the Lord. And I'm going to tell you. I've seen some pretty crazy dances in the Lord, and it all blesses me. Everybody has their own unique way of doing it. But if you ever feel that nudging that you want to just move a little bit, it's biblical. Now, we've a few times we've maybe been places, not here, but we've been places when the dance has been a little 
I don't know how to explain it. But if they're dancing before the Lord, they're dancing before the Lord. Number four, divine healing and the supernatural. That's what we want here. It is very common within our worship services for people to be invited to the front for special prayer. We believe through prayer and faith we receive access to the supernatural. We believe in divine healing, provision, and miraculous deliverance. We have found the scripture to be true that nothing is too hard for God. And if we can believe, all things are possible. How many's ever been healed? Amen. Brother Casey, I love your loud amen. It's never gotten old. He's never. How many years ago was that, Brother Casey? Several years ago, but this man gets just excited, as excited when we talk about the healing of God, because he hasn't forgotten what God healed him of. God is a healer. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear when he, when God answers a different way than we want him to. I still proclaim he is a healer. And I, I know, I believe he's a healer. He's healed me, Lynette. I know that I can still stand here and say that even though he didn't heal the way we wanted him to in other ways. But he is a healer. His word cannot lie. And when we talk about healings, we anoint with oil for divine healing. We anoint with oil for divine healing. That's in James 5.14. Let's go ahead and do that, Sister Star. James 5.14. Thank you so much. I love the overhead. I just want you to see that it is biblical what we do. My husband keeps oil up here. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We believe in that. Last week we had first responder Sunday. And Brother Tyler, I'm so glad to see you today. And I hope you're feeling better. We missed you last week. And I know that you were so sad not to be able to be here because you were so excited about it. But we handed out prayer cloths to the first responders. We believe in anointing with oil. We believe that prayer works. We lay hands on the sick. And we allow the operation of spiritual gifts. Another interesting aspect of our worship is the operation of spiritual gifts. The planned service order may be suspended as individuals speak or share as prompted by the Holy Spirit under the supervision of the pastor. One may speak out in an unknown tongue. And if you've never been around Pentecost, apostolic people, I will tell you that that is probably the one thing that most people feel very unsure about when they hear someone speak out in an unknown language. This past youth convention, the service was moving so strongly, and I started to walk up to the front, and about that time, the place was silent, and someone did speak out. And this young man, he was probably 16, 17, he said, I've never, I've never heard this, and he put his head down. I thought that was so cool that he was in a place. That's biblical. That is biblical. And there's an interpretation We are praying for more gifts of the Spirit to be evident here at First Church. It's not God's will for them to lay dormant. We want them to operate here in our congregation. Moving on. Our fundamental beliefs. About the Bible. The Holy Bible and only the Bible is the authoritative word of God. It alone is the final authority in determining all doctrine, beliefs, 
truths as well as salvation and Christian living. In its original writing, it is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. So right here, we have to decide. Because if you do not believe wholeheartedly that the word of God is truth, you will, you will question anything and everything that maybe your flesh does not understand. You have to believe that the scriptures are 100% infallible, the word of God. If you can have that, then you have, you have potential to grow into what God wants you to be. About God, we believe there is only one God, and we definitely are not him. Someone say amen. amen. We believe that God is a spirit and the creator of all things. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, and eternal. He is the source of all goodness, truth, and love. He has manifested himself and revealed his name through the life and body of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, for the purpose of saving mankind from their sins and providing everlasting life for those who believe and call on his name. We believe that God was manifest in the flesh. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There are several scriptures there. I would encourage you to please go home and read those. And Jesus Christ is the only man ever to have lived a sinless life. We believe he was born of a virgin, lived a life we should all strive to imitate, and was the example we are called to follow. He performed miracles and did wonders throughout his ministry and was crucified to atone for our sins. He died on the cross for all humanity and is no respecter of persons. We believe he rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, ascended into heaven, and he will come again. I'm so glad that he's no respecter of persons, because I promise you we all are on the same field, the same starting point, no matter what walk of life we come from. He died for you. He died for me. We are all, we all start at the same place. About sin and salvation. We believe everyone has sinned and needs salvation, and salvation comes by grace through faith based on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We believe that salvation is a gift from God, not a result of our good works. We cannot work hard enough. We can't work for church hard enough to earn salvation. About Christian living, we believe that all lives should be worship and that we should cheerfully strive to live a life that is both inwardly and outwardly pleasing to God, and we submit to the power of grace that is working in us. Sanctification is the ongoing process of yielding to God's word and his spirit in order to complete the development of Christ's character in us. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that a believer is enabled to live a godly life. If you do not have the Holy Ghost, and I'm jumping ahead, it gives you power to live an overcoming life. It gives you power to become more like Jesus Christ. About putting faith into practice. We believe in practicing our faith by loving God and loving people. All the law and commandments are fulfilled by love. We practice prayer, obedience to the word of God, heartfelt worship, and expressive praise. We are compelled to share our faith story with others. We practice our faith by being committed to our marriage companions and staying faithful to our families. We bear one another's burdens and help each other in times of need. We honor and respect all spiritual and civil authority and revere them as ministers of God for good. We submit to all their laws and commandments as long as they don't require our disobedience to the higher power. 
which is God. We believe a good and diligent worth ethic pleases God, and we labor as unto the Lord. We practice honesty and fairness in business and dedicate portions of our time, talent, and treasure to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. About the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is manifested through a variety of spiritual gifts to build and sanctify the church, demonstrate the validity of the resurrection, and confirm the power of the gospel. The Bible list of these gifts are not necessarily exhaustive, and gifts may occur in various combinations. All believers are commanded to earnestly desire the manifestation of gifts in their lives. These gifts, when I hear gifts, what do you think about gifts? Somebody gives you these gifts. You don't buy them. They're gifts. And that's what God has offered through his word. These gifts always operate in harmony with the scriptures and should never be used in violation of biblical perimeters. There's several scriptures on these last points that I'm reading that I encourage you all to go home and read and study. Miracles and healing of the sick is illustrated in the life and ministry of Jesus and included in the great commission to his disciples. It is given as a sign which is to follow believers. It is also a part of Jesus' work on the cross and one of the gifts of the Spirit. And about the future, we believe Jesus Christ is coming again to catch his bride away. And when we do all the things when I just started talking about, and that leads us into a life living for God, our end goal is to, to be ready for when Jesus Christ comes again. Amen? I'm so excited to know that we can find out the truth of his word and that we can be rapture ready and know that we have a future in him. It doesn't matter how dark this world is getting. We could talk about it every time. We could tell you how bad it's getting. You know, we don't have to focus on how bad it's getting because when we live for Jesus Christ and we live in overcoming, trying to please him, follow the plan of salvation He's going to take care of his church. He's going to take care of us. And our end game is very exciting. I'm so glad to be able to talk with you all this morning.